Today I've been thinking a lot about time. I picked up two fascinating books. One of them is uh, Stephen Hawking, maybe the greatest thinker of the last 500 years. His book is called The Theory of Everything, The Origin and Fate of the Universe. And uh, I also was reading Start Late, Finish Rich by David Bach. Yeah, it's a financial planning book. And if you're old or feel older and feel like you've missed out and haven't saved up enough money or made enough money, it's his little recipe on how to make more money for retirement. And uh, really, it's really for any age, but I thought it was an interesting title. Start Late, Finish Rich. And the first chapter, David Bach talks about move on. You know, it, he says, so you started late. Give yourself a break already. If only I had started saving when I was younger. You can replace that word with just about anything. I don't think there's any human that I've ever met that doesn't have some level of regret uh, about time wasted, money wasted, opportunities wasted, potential relationships wasted, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, happiness squandered. And uh, even today was kind of a weird day. I felt like I never got ahead. Generally, I'm fairly organized in life and business. And it was like today was the day I was always an hour behind, two hours behind. And so as I was piecing all these books together, I thought I would talk a little bit about time. And, you know, it's kind of a profound concept. Stephen Hawking in this book, The Theory of Everything, he he asks a question. For those of you, by the way, who don't know Stephen Hawking, and he's the... He's a professor um, and astrophysicist slash physicist slash, I don't know. He I think he has the Newton chair, which is basically the smartest science mathematician physicist in the world. And uh, it's amazing because he's in a wheelchair. So he's like doing all this in a wheelchair. It's kind of like Helen Keller. You read about her and it's somebody who couldn't uh, see, speak, or hear yet became such an amazing person. We still remember her name and read her books, you know, a hundred years later. But Stephen Hawking says about time, he goes, why is it that we remember the past and not remember the future? Like time is so elusive. People think the matrix is an amazing book or that movie in, Inse- I mean, uh, amazing movie, you know, or inception. Cause it asks all these questions about alternate realities and all that. And, the way I think it, I'm like, man, you don't even have to get that far. Some people were like, Ty, you should do ayahuasca and all these mind trippy drugs, LSD. And I'm like, you can just pick up a book or just sit in a chair and think about time. And that's all the trippiness you need. Because remember, everything you want in life hinges on time. It's not enough to just be wealthy. I, I talk about this guy that I know that's like $2 billion net worth. He has two private 747 jets, but he's so sick that he's bedridden all the time. Uh, and he can't use his time for the things he wants. So he has time, but he can't use that time. So for some of you listening, well, for all of us listening, we have the same 24 hours as Mahatma Gandhi, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Bill Gates, it's just for some reason, some of us, some people use their time a hell of a lot better than others. In Peter Drucker's book that I've reviewed, Managing Oneself, he opens up by saying, what makes Mozart, Da Vinci, what makes all these people so famous, what makes them so great? 
And he says it's because they had the ability to manage themselves. And I think what Drucker really could have said uh, was they have the ability to manage their time. But I think before you even manage time, you have to step back and go, what does Stephen Hawking talk about? You know, what is time? And he says there's three types of time. I'm not going to get into the super physics of it. You can read the book yourself. He tries to make these hard concepts simple. But there's cosmological time, there's thermodynamic time, and there's psychological time. So I just want to talk about psychological time because that's like time as you and I perceive it. He talks about, you know, as a scientist, he used to think that at the end of the universe, when the universe stops expanding and starts contracting, that it'd be like that movie Benjamin Button. You know, would you be old before you're young you would reverse you'd be dead and then you'd come alive and he says i realized that i made a mistake 20 years later i realized i was wrong as a scientist he says now i don't think we'll ever be able to reverse time right and he says it's because the way we measure time we measure time in the same direction as disorder and our definition of time is you know the law of thermodynamics entropy things get worse and so you can go into all this kind of science talk and all this far out and, and thoughts that really will bend your brain. And I recommend everybody do that because it's good to step out of your reality of nine to five or whatever it is that you are in. You know, for me, my reality is I'm constrained by time. I want to do more stuff. Man, if I could get all the ideas that are in my head out onto paper, my life I feel like would be amazing. If I could write all the books that I want to write, I feel like my life would be amazing. If all the business ideas that I uh, have in my imagination could turn into reality, I'm like, man. But again, elusive time, you know, time, that thing that gets us all. Charles Barkley is funny, the basketball player, former basketball player, and and uh, he uh, d- does the uh, NBA games and as a commentator, and he says, you know, Father time is undefeated. It gets all of us in the end. And so I think for every person listening, begin to read everything you can about time. And it can be a practical book like Start Late, Finish Finish Rich by David Bach. That's about money and how to make money and save even if you've squandered time in the past. But also, don't be afraid to pick up books like what Stephen Hawking has written about the real uh, physical, or I should say mathematical, understanding of time. Remember I talk about being a Renaissance man or a Renaissance woman? Don't be afraid to attack things in your life that need to be fixed, that need to be optimized from multiple angles. You can do it from an academic angle like Stephen Hawking. You can do it from a practical level like David Bach, you can do it in a spiritual, uh, at a spiritual level if you want to read, you know, whatever, Jesus, Buddha, whatever it is. But never forget, the greatest mastery, the greatest item you can ever master in life is time. Like Drucker says, the real thing that separates you and I from Bach or Mother Teresa or Helen Keller is their ability to use the same moments in time, that same movement towards eternity, that same movement towards entropy that Stephen Hawking talks about, maybe a little wiser than you and I, maybe a little more efficiently. So 
what David Box says here, if you feel like you should have more money in your bank account, what he says in this book is, first start by not freaking out about the past. Going, you know, I will tell you in my experience, this conversation about regret, because uh, this conversation about regret is one that most people are either too extreme one way or another. I have friends that are like, I have no regrets. And I think to myself, well, then you're a fool and you forget that the reason the human brain even has the capacity and the hormonal uh, uh, component that creates the feeling of regret is because it's important to have regret. But then I know other people that get paralyzed by regret. Sam Walton, uh, in that book that I recommend and talk about a lot, Made in America, he says – it's at the beginning. I'll try to find it now. I, uh, he started this his first business, I think it was in 1945. He started a store, and uh, the store basically, he was cheated out of it. He had built this store, and it was making like good money. This is, remember, in the 40s, and he was a young guy. He was in his early 20s. He, I think he was making, oh, I don't know, three or 400 uh uh, I'm sorry, a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a year with the store, which was a ton of money back then. And then this guy came along who owned the property, the landlord, and he saw how successful Sam Walton was. And of course, this is Sam Walton before he did Walmart. And that landlord came and basically changed the contract and took the store away from Sam Walton. And Sam Walton basically had a choice. He could have been either an extreme person that says, I have no regrets and I'm not going to learn. For, I'm just going to put it out of my mind and cover up my past mistakes. Or he could have done the other extreme, uh, which was to just wallow in despair and give up. Remember, most people, I read once, I can't remember where, that uh, the average person in the world cannot withstand more than three failures in anything they do. Before they will give up. So the average guy, if he's out and he talks to three different women and they all reject him, he will be quiet and not approach any other women for the rest of the night. The average uh, person who starts a business, if they fail a couple times, they're done. Right? And so what Sam Walton said, and I've read this about other people like Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger. He was the master of not being paralyzed by regret, not giving up. He found that balance. So I think in this book, Start uh, Late, Finish Rich, uh, and by the way, on the page on my site on this uh, show, you should be able to find links to all these books I'm talking about, these three different books. Uh, great people find this balance of not going overboard with regret of time lost and also not going overboard uh, on eliminating all regret from your mind. I think Charlie Monger or Warren Buffett say what we do, we think through our mistakes deeply. We analyze our mistakes. We think about them long. We maybe get a good cry in <laughs> and a good sob and weep and then we put it out of our mind and never think about it again. I think that's a fascinating approach where you actually uh, you know, use regret to the best uh, 
the best that you can, but then you're not paralyzed by it. And what's also interesting along that same line is that I, I was reading this Michael Jordan book. I don't know if some of you have heard the talk. And uh, Michael Jordan said all throughout the book, you see this, where he basically took every disaster, every feeling that he had lost a year of time, and he used it as a massive pain point and motivator. If you watch the Michael Jordan Hall of Fame speech, great Hall of Fame speech, because what does he say? In the Hall of Fame speech, he goes, you know, Leroy is here. And Leroy was this guy who was six foot six basketball player in Wilmington, North Carolina, and Michael Jordan didn't make the high school basketball team. And this guy made it instead of Michael Jordan. Can you imagine being the guy that the basketball team cut Michael Jordan and they took this guy? And so Michael Jordan said, you know, but I want to thank you because I decided I would spend the rest of my life showing the coach, hey, man, you messed up. You picked the wrong guy. And all throughout Michael Jordan's life, you see him completely driven by each of his failures with time. He regretted not making the high school basketball team. Why? Because he knew he'd never be a junior in high school again. So my advice to you, the advice to myself is, yes, realize losses are painful because they entail the loss of time. But yet, also realize it's human experience. And here's the thing. And the end, like Barclay says, Father Time's undefeated. Time will catch up with all of us. So if you lost a year of your life to a stupid relationship, a stupid business, if you lost 10 years of your life, move on. But, 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 be like Charlie Monger and analyze deeply why you got into that situation and write down why you'll never do those exact same ingredients. Don't overreact. Sometimes people overreact. So they go, okay, why am I broke? Well, I started a business five years ago and it failed. And they overreact and go, well, therefore I'll never start a business again. That's a misdiagnosis of the problem. Use logic. If you argue ad absurdum, uh, which is a logical tool, you would say, People start businesses and don't fail. I started a business and failed. Therefore, I know for sure that the business, the starting of a business, is not the common, is not the uh, correlated or causation of failure. Because if starting a business always caused failure, then there would be no successful businesses. So you can clear your mind and go, okay, that's not the problem. You should re-diagnose and go, well, if I start a business, a better question, if I start a business and I waste three years of my time and a lot of money trying to get it off the ground, then why did I fail while the guy across the street didn't? And that will bring you to a much better solution and a much better answer. Find the answer. Maybe you're too proud and you didn't have a mentor. Maybe you didn't read enough. Maybe you didn't research. Maybe you weren't disciplined. Maybe you didn't have the humility to look at your com competitors and learn lessons from them. Whatever it is, I am sure that you can diagnose it if you don't overreact. Remember, you got to stay cool under pressure. I tell that to people. When you feel like you lost time, you know, what's one of the most common complaints? We own all these dating sites. I'm an investor. And women say, I gave you the best years of my life. 
to a guy. Let's say they dated him from 25 to 35 and it doesn't work out. Back to this age-old haunting that comes from the feeling that you lost time. And what I'm trying to say, I guess, is it's okay to fear losing your time. Because like Hawking says, he was wrong. There'll probably never be a time in the history of the universe that time will reverse. The Benjamin Button story is an impossibility. If you are old, you will never get younger again. At least not with any science and any knowledge that we have to this day. Right? You got to be like Sam Walton. And here's what Sam Walton said. I found it on page 39 of Sam Walton Made in America. He says, I've never been one to dwell on reverses. That's what he's calling reversals in fortune, waste of time, loss. And I didn't do it then. He's talking about when he had his business stole, his first business stolen from him. It's not just a corny, corny saying that you can make a positive out of most any negative if you work at it hard enough. I've always thought of problems as challenges, and this one wasn't any different. I don't know if that experience changed me or not. I know I read my leases a lot more carefully after that, and maybe I became a little more wary of just how tough the world can be. Uh, but I didn't dwell on my disappointment. The challenge at hand was simply enough, simple enough to figure out. I had to pick up myself and go on with it, do it all over again, only even better this time. Helen, his wife, he says, and I started looking for a new town. Let's examine that sentence because Sam Walton wrote this book on his deathbed. He made $160 billion net worth. He's the richest man by far in the last you know, 50 years and maybe of all time, depending on how you count his wealth. He split it up among his family for tax purposes. He said he could make a positive out of a negative. That's exactly what Michael Jordan did. Remember, those of you know me and are like, Ty, why are you doing these talks? What's your goal? I'm looking for the good life. And on the way to the good life, I'm following the patterns of the greatest people in the world. How do I define great? Well, simple. People who achieved extraordinary things. How do I define extraordinary? Things that most people can't do. That's why I'm not just fascinated by wealthy people. I'm fascinated by how Sam Walton was different enough to be able to do things that anybody could have done. Anybody could have done, uh, could have accomplished what he accomplished. But he had a formula he was following. I don't think he realized there was a formula. It was somehow... And that's maybe fortune. Maybe it came from his parents. Maybe it was luck. I don't know. But he followed a formula. And as I have these four books standing in front of me, you know, right here in front of me, Sam Walton's book, David Bach's book, Stephen Hawking's book, uh, sorry, these three books, uh, I realized that there is a pattern. Charlie Munger, the other billionaire, saying the same thing. Michael Jordan in the book The Life by Roland Lazenby, which I reviewed the other day. Amazing book, one of my favorite reads of the last couple months. He says the same thing. Successful people are afraid to lose time, but once they realize they lost time, they use the regret as a lesson. Like Walton said, I learned to read my contracts better because he got ripped off in the lease contract of his building. So he said, I learned from it. And then he said... I also used it to drive me. Like Michael Jordan said, I got cut from my junior year basketball team. I'll never get that opportunity back. 
but I'm not going to wallow in despair of the loss of this one in a lifetime opportunity. I will use it to drive me to become a six-time NBA uh, basketball champion. I will use it to drive me to become the defensive player of the year and the dunk contest winner and everything Michael Jordan accomplished. I think David Bach in this financial planning book is saying the same thing. He's just going, move on, but don't move on too quickly. Find that balance. Stephen Hawking assures us Because I think all of us deep down, especially when you're young enough, you think that time is either going to stand still or possibly reverse. You see that in the world. We love stories of people who accomplish great things late in life. Because it's like, ooh, if that person can win the lottery at 75, well, I could probably do it too. There's always hope. But you know the truth is that's very rare. That's very rare. The better way is to face life head on and say, the world's always changing. But for us humans, one thing that's not changing is cosmological, thermodynamic, and psychological time. It's moving in one direction. And that direction is towards disorder. Death for you as a human and for me as a human, I don't mean to be, you know... (laughs) I don't want this talk to be depressing, but for, there's nothing wrong with talking about death. Death is really the ultimate act of disorder of your body. Your heart stops working. At the end, we all die from heart failure. And why does our heart fail? Because at a cellular level, everything just becomes disorderly at once. It takes a lot of order to make your body work. You and I don't realize it. But even if you lay in bed and don't move, they call this your basal metabolism rate. Your body's doing all kinds of functions. It's an incredibly orderly machine. So time, as we talked about first, is something to be not wasted. But once it's wasted, it's to be learned from and then used to prod you on, to spur you on to greater things. For every guy that was rejected by some girl, If he used that to go, you know what? I was rejected by this woman, but I'm going to become the best version of myself so that won't happen again. Imagine a world, how great it would be if that's what the world was like. I learned to salsa dance because I was in New Zealand when I was about, I don't know, 20 or something. And I went to some friends. I was staying at a hostel. I was traveling around the world. And they said, hey, do you want to come to this salsa dancing club? And I was like, sure. I'd never done it. And I went there. And I remember I was standing there. And there's 20 or 30 beautiful women, Latin women, all in this club. And there was no guys there. So they came up to me and said, do you want to dance? And I was like, sure. And I got up there. And I started to dance. And I was so bad at it that the girl literally walked off the dance floor. She didn't want to be seen with me. And I was like... Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And I walked out of that club and never went back. But I didn't, thank goodness, build up so much fear around that loss, that regret. I could have said, well, you know, I just regret it. I should, I mean, I'm part Spanish. I should have known how salsa. I've just wasted all these years. I'm 20 years old. How come nobody taught me how to salsa there? No, I, I was going on a plane the next week. I went to Australia, landed in Melbourne. Australia was staying at another hostel in downtown. I remember it was 130 degrees Fahrenheit. It was the hottest I've ever been in anywhere in the world there in the, under the south of the equator in Melbourne, Australia, which is the south part of Australia. 
And I was walking down the street and I saw a sign and it said salsa dancing classes like $5. And this is back when the American dollar was strong. So that was costing like $2 American. I was like, sign me up. So I walked into this place and I remember there's a Colombian guy and he had two beautiful girls that were helping teach. And he's like, okay, they're going to teach you how to salsa. And slowly but surely, I learned how to salsa. I use, I always remember that pain of being laughed at in New Zealand and Sure enough, I eventually got good enough at salsa. I became a salsa instructor. I opened up uh, some nightclubs, and we had salsa night, and I started teaching salsa, and I've probably taught three or 4,000 people salsa in my life. And now I still do it, and it's fun. And I've been to Puerto Rico, world salsa dancing competition, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was all from that attitude of going, all right, time squandered. I should have been starting salsa when I was five. Why did my parents do it? I don't know. And just learn from it and spurred me on. The same thing happened uh, with uh, me with finance. The reason I got into investing, I went on this trip with a couple mentors. and They were in Mississippi, and we were all sitting around a fire. I remember it was like five or six guys. I mean, some of these guys were, I don't know if they were billionaires, but close to billionaires. And I was like 20, 21 years old. And I remember one of them asked me about ROI. Hey, Ty, what's the ROI on your business? And I remember going, I don't know what ROI is. And they just laughed at me. All these five guys, they were, they were normally when they were sober, they were nice, but they were drunk and they just laughed away. And they were like, you're an idiot, man. You'll never make any money. You don't even know what ROI is. And I remember literally almost coming to tears at that moment. But I said to myself, you know what? I will never be laughed at when it comes to money again. And sure enough, a year later, I entered a CFP program, Certified Financial Planning, CHFC, CLU. I went to work for GE Capital. I said, give me your best training. I learned from the best, and I began to understand money, right? I went and became a CFP, all those hard uh, certifications you can get. So again, the first part of what I'm talking about here is getting a grip on time, understanding you will lose some, and even if you're great at managing time, time is going to get us all. So take the moments, take the pain, and be like Michael Jordan and move forward with that as the massive thorn in your shoe. Don't be afraid. The world's not competitive enough. You know, John Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach, he's like, we need more competitiveness as long as it's ethical, as long as it makes sense, right? Be more competitive with yourself and with other people. Roland Lazenby, who, who's known Michael Jordan since I think like 1979, he said, if everybody was like Michael Jordan, we'd be building condos on the moon. He meant that Jordan is such an above average, extraordinary human because of the ability to capture the moment, time, and use it to spur him forward. That if all of us were like this, basically all the problems that we have in the world would disappear. You name a problem of civilization. Global warming would disappear because we'd have so many geniuses coming up with the next solar panels, the next way to desalinate water. We'd have our food problem would be fixed. Right? If everybody was extraordinary, Michael Jordan used to eat well. He understood his body was a temple. We wouldn't have McDonald's uh, being the number one franchise in the world. It would be out of business, not because you had a regulation to get it out of business, but it would go out of business on its own because nobody would be eating there. Same with Coca-Cola. 
you might say, well, that's not possible. Like the book, you know, Salt, Sugar, Fat, or that book by Michael Moss, that amazing book that I, I'm going to be reviewing here shortly. You know, he says we're naturally designed to want sugar and fat. Yeah, but Michael Jordan was able to rise above that because he was an extraordinary person who was driven by time. You see, all of this hinges on the proper understanding and usage of time. Most people are either afraid of time or try to ignore time. You can't do either one. Face your fears. The biggest fear is not even death. It's time. Time brings death. Time brings disorder. Time brings the decay of your body. Time brings the decay of your bank account. But I have what I want to talk about in the second half. The solution. The best solution that I think you know we can come up with. There's no ultimate solution. And I call it the injection of energy. You see, entropy is the fancy word for the decay of order. Right? You get older. You look at your face in the mirror and you're like, I got more wrinkles. I have, you look at a baby's face, it's like so pure, right? It's because time and disorder work together. So that baby's one day old. There's been no time for the disorder to kick in in that, the skin of that baby. You know, it's like baby's breath. It's like, it smells like flowers, right? Everything's working. But you know what? That baby will get older. And one day, I don't care how healthy you are, how much weight you lift, how good uh, you eat of a diet. One day when you're 100, there's a lot more disorder in your body. That's what cancer is, you know. Cancer is the mutation of cells in an uncontrolled or, I should say, disadvantageous way to the rest of the body. That's disorder. So what's the solution for it? It's easy. It's the injection of energy. For you to get what you want out of life, whether you're reading the Sam Walton book, the Michael Jordan book, whether you're trying to follow what David Box says and start late yet still finish rich with a lot of money in your bank account, you're going to have to inject a whole bunch of energy into your life. It's the injection of energy into a system that reverses disorder. Just think about it. Your house had nobody done anything, would just be a piece of dirt that you'd be standing on. But the organization of the construction crew, the organization of the people who got the iron out of the ground, the st created the steel to make the nails, to nail together the boards on your house, that's all order. Humans can bring order to the world, and that's why we live longer than we ever have in history. Humans are living longer. Right? It's because now we have energy. I mean, we have literal energy in the form of fossil fuel like oil and gas. That allows you to drive your car further. That allows doctors to perform surgeries that they couldn't perform when it was just no electricity and candles. I saw it. I lived with the Amish for two and a half years. The injection of energy. The Amish use horses to pull things, uh, farm equipment. In the modern world, they use big diesel tractors. One tractor can, you know, plow hundreds of acres at a time, whereas one horse could only do a few. It's the injection of energy. Now, you know all that. I'm sure you already know this. But what about for your life? How much energy is being injected into your life? The reason we all want money, it's not because money represents something real. Money's paper. 
right? They call it fiat current. There's nothing there. It's just paper. It's a symbol. But the reason people live and die over a hundred bucks, you know, the reason you can get robbed and stole and, 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 uh, you know, held at gunpoint for a thousand bucks is because that piece of paper represents time. You can use that to not have to grow your own food. You take the dollar bill, you go into the store, they give you food. You exchange, a farmer had to use his time in the sweat of his brow to grow that food and you just bring the piece of paper. That's the injection of energy into systems. That's why when people say money isn't important, what they're really saying is time isn't important, which we all know that that's an incorrect statement. Time is important because your life is time. Time is important because Stephen Hawking says, as far as we know, it only moves in one direction. The timeline of your life is moving in one direction with no possibility of even a millisecond of reversal. Stephen Hawking says, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just reverse one day backwards? Because then you'd all, we'd be rich. You could buy stocks. <laughs> you could, if you could even go back in time one hour, you'd know which stock is going to change and you could be the richest person in the world, but we can't do it. So energy is the antidote to this thing we call time. This thing we call regret. This thing we call mistakes. The more mistakes you've made, you can solve it. You can use mental energy. You can use physical energy. You can make allies with other people who partner with you and inject their energy into your life. Sam Walton did that. He was building his Walmart stores. You know how he fixed the situation? Because he wasn't making money or a ton of money. Until much, much, much later. He wasn't the richest man in the world or in the United States till about 1984 and he started in 45. He says the big break for him came, uh, the big break for him came when? It came when he brought up some advisors in. And those advisors came and they said, Sam, your store, the pricing is all stupid. They said, hey, the way you're displaying the soap on the counters, it's all stupid. And he was humble enough to allow that energy from outside counselors, outside consultants to come into his business and change it. And not too long later, I think that was in the early late 60s, early 70s, he began to change his, his business plan based on these genius people bringing their thoughts, their energy into his idea of Walmart. And he was able to go public in the early 70s and grow from like, you know, 20 or 30 stores making $20 million a year to the empire. You know, Walmart now is like a half a trillion dollar business or some insane number. You see, Walmart and Sam Walton were able to reverse time. And every year the business is getting more and more powerful. And there's more order in the business. Can you say the same thing about your life? Can you say, you know what? Sure, my body's getting a little older, but I've used energy outside sources, whether it be physical energy, lifting weights. I've expended some energy to store away for the future, to counter attack the decay that's going to happen. You know, Start Late, Finish Rich by David Bach, he's talking about, well, you better save some money. He has this first, uh, he talks about when he was in Op on Oprah Winfrey show and a woman in the crowd had $1.4 uh, million, right? $1.4 million. And she said, 
she made that money after being at a David Bach seminar. And so David interviewed her on Oprah, and he says, I remember meeting this woman years ago. And this woman had very little money saved up, and he's like, you know that as you get older, you're going to need to take care of yourself, and you won't have the energy to work anymore. So you better put extra energy in right now so that you save enough to retire when your energy at 70 is much, much lower. You see, he taught her to respect time and to inject energy. You must be a person who injects energy into situations. Let's talk about some practical things. You know, if you read what makes a great marriage, uh, I've read a survey. They surveyed people who had been married 40 or 50 years, happily married, I should say. And they asked him, what's the secret? And one of the common things said, both, both the husband and the wife were, were, you have to work on it. That's another fancy way of saying you have to inject energy into it. If you just get married or if you have a business partner and you guys never hang out, guess what's going to happen? Entropy. The law of thermodynamics, like Hawking talks about. Every day that relationship will decay a little bit. But you can reverse it by... A kind little note that you put, you know, in your spouse or your boyfriend and girl or girlfriend's uh, car or a flower or making dinner when you didn't have to. See, that's the injection of your energy into a situation to avoid decay. Same with business. Man, if you're not meeting with your employees, if you're not talking to your customers, if you're not using your brain power, the glycogen in your brain and injecting energy into what you're doing, it will decay. Things do not get better on their own. If you leave your house for 10 years and do not touch it, when you come back, the paint will be peeling. The mice will be inside. The termites will be eating the wood. It's the injection of energy. So remember, time is to be cherished. It's to be feared. But it's also to be used as a tool to drive you to do great things uh, just like Jordan probably wouldn't be Jordan if at some point he hadn't felt that he had lost time by being kicked off or, or not, not allowed on the junior high, uh, sorry, on the high school basketball team. But secondly, how did he then do it? Did he just say, I'm angry and I'm not a basketball player at high school and I'll never be in high school again. I'll never be 17 again and I'm so mad and I'm just going to prove to the world. Well, how did he prove to the world? He injected energy. Michael Jordan played and practiced almost as much as anybody in the history of the game. Kobe Bryant, the Los Angeles Laker, he works out, I don't know, a for four hours before practice. Michael Jordan, when he played for the Chicago Bulls later on in like 1994, later championship teams, he was getting older. So the natural decay of his body, but he injected more energy than he ever did when he was younger. He injected enough energy that they made this little group called the Breakfast Club. It was like Michael Jordan, I think Scottie Pippen, I think Dennis Rodman and Ron Harper. They would go and work out before practice. For, I think, at 8 to 9 o'clock, just one hour a day, then they'd all eat breakfast together and have like, you know, they'd all become closer bonding, camaraderie. So as he got older, Jordan still understood, you got to inject energy into it. So many people, 
and you see this in business especially, have this idea of life going on autopilot. They're like, I want the dream. I want to have recurring income that I just start a business when I'm 25 and it makes me a million dollars a year without even looking at it. I look at it for one hour a day. That's a myth and it breaks all the laws of thermodynamics. It breaks the law of what Stephen Hawking wrote about in Theory of Everything. He says time is moving in the same direction as decay. That's so profound because it means decay and time are the same thing. That's what he actually says. That's not me putting words in Hawking's uh, mouth. I'll find the chapter as I'm talking here. It's one of the more profound things I've ever read. He says it that they are the same thing. They have to go together. Right? You. It can't be any other way. So fear it, but you can solve it simply by adding more energy in. How can you add more energy? Well, let's talk, let's start with the four areas of eudonomia, health, wealth, love, and happiness. Let's talk about the body. How the hell do you add physically to increase your physical health? Uh, how do you add energy to counteract this disorder and entropy? Well, bodybuilding, that's what, lifting weights. If you're a woman, do not think you're going to get super muscular if you start lifting weights. That's that happens to, you know, one out of a million women who take a lot of steroids and work out eight hours a day. It's been proven that if you take your energy and you push against heavy weights, that you literally will slow the order. uh, You will slow this disorder of time down. It's proven. The University of New Mexico did a study. Telomeres are shortened or the lengthening, which, by the way, the lengthening of your telomeres at a cellular level is why we die. I mean, it's aging process, right? And they're saying lifting weights reverses that. By the way, let me, I was saying I would find this quote, page 101 of Stephen Hawking's book. He says, disorder increases with time because we measure time in the direction in which disorder increases. You can't have a safer bet than that. He's saying time, disorder, the same, right? So it's impossible for time to go forward in your life without disorder coming into your life so physically you better inject energy if you don't that disorder will speed up physically you can eat a whole bunch of hamburgers when you're 18 and get away with it but you try that when you're 45 years old you can't get away with it anymore it'll go straight to your stomach you'll have a heart attack your body's forgiving when you're young because most of your natural or uh, most of your organs and your natural bodily functions are operating at an extremely highly uh, extremely efficient rate. There's a lot of order in your body at 18 versus 48. Right? So the older you are, you got to inject more energy into being careful what you eat and being careful to work out. Work out. Right? When it comes to money, the second area of the good life, wealth, you better inject more and more energy into it. The injection of energy into your business should increase as time goes along. Now, if you do it right, you can probably train somebody else. But the process of training somebody else to run your business, it will take an injection of energy and in reality, if you look at truly wealthy people, they never stop doing their business. 
right? In fact, I was interviewing Jonathan Haidt, who wrote Happiness Hypothesis, one of the foremost experts on happiness in the world. And he says, you know, what makes people happy is not getting rid of work. He says, I think he quotes Freud, and Freud was asked, what are the, what makes people happy? And he said, like, Liebe or love and, uh, work. Love and work. So get away from this mindset that you're going to set up your life where your business eventually doesn't need any energy from you put into it. Pick a business that you always want to put your energy in. Like Picasso said, avoid the dichotomy of doing things you don't want to do in order to make money to do the things you do want to do. Be like Picasso. He painted from the time he was a young child all the way, I think, to his almost 80 or 90 years old. He produced 51,000 pieces of art. He was constantly able to make uh, to inject energy into his work. And that's why he had such a long and prolific uh, career as an artist. Why we remember his part of why we remember him today. So when it comes to business, change your mindset. Pick a business you can be in for a long time and that you can continue to put energy into. Man, almost any business. I was working with a guy. He had this business making millions of dollars. And then I'm like, what happened? And he's like, oh, eight months ago, I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month and it's all gone. And I'm like, what happened? And he's like, oh, I hired somebody. I got bored of the business. I just said, hey, you run the business. And I even hired a really smart CEO and paid him a lot of money. And I was like, you violated Stephen Hawking's principle. You are violating the timeline of life, of time, of thermodynamics, of entropy. You thought you could be smarter than the universe. And like Joel Salatin always told me, Ty, Nature laughs last. Don't let nature laugh at you. It will. Nature set this up. And if you're a religious person or not religious, remember, this way that the world is with time moving forward, that's set up by God. Or if you're not religious, that's set up by nature or the universe. Stephen Hawking, I don't think, is traditionally religious, but he uses the word God. That is God. And no matter what, all of us have to realize you have to bow your knee to something. The Amish called this Galassenheit, giving up to God, realizing you're not going to win. And this one, you're not going to win. And this, my friend who said, I'm just going to hire, I'm not going to pay any attention to this business. I'm going to put my energy into the business. I'll just hire somebody, pay them a little bit of money, and everything will go amazing. No, that business went from making hundreds of thousands of profit a month to zero in under a year. That's how fast disorder can catch up with you. So you better stay on your A game. You better stay paying attention. Anybody who's telling you opposite of this uh, is trying to sell you something. I guarantee you that. They are not. If I'll tell you this. If you meet somebody and they think they're smarter than Stephen Hawking, uh, I'd like to meet that person. Stephen Hawking is so smart. When he went to, I can't remember if it's Cambridge or Oxford, uh, it was like the 10 smartest students in the world went there, got invited to this program, and the professor, their professor was the Newton chair, meaning the number one person in the world. And uh, after being around Stephen Hawking, this 17-year-old student, for like a few months, the guy resigned and said, you should be the Newton head. That's how smart Hawking is. I read this funny story where um, the homework that the school uh, that the professor had given all the students was really hard. On a Friday, he gave 20 questions to the students and all the students, except Stephen Hawking, who was more of a loner, 
They worked together to try to solve these math problems, these physics problems, all weekend. And on a Monday morning, they uh, they were walking to class, and they're like, Stephen, did you do the homework? We couldn't finish all 20 problems. We only could do whatever, five or ten of them. We couldn't figure out the rest. And Stephen Hawking said, oh, my God, I forgot to do the questions. Let me do them now. And while they were walking to class, he did all 20 of the questions. That's how smart Stephen Hawking was. Smarter than all the other smartest kids in the world combined. What took them, what they couldn't finish in a whole weekend, he finished in, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. So Stephen Hawking says, if we will understand this grand theory, which in part, in great part, is about this conversation I'm having you with time. He says, then we'll know the mind of God. That's what he ends the last sentence last paragraph of the book, and then we will know the mind of God. So again, my friend thought he knew better than God. God set it up that you got to keep putting energy. If you read uh, some religious books like the Bible, the Old Testament says man will work by the sweat of his brow. You will survive by the sweat of your brow. If you're not religious, if you read Charles Darwin, uh, Darwin said what? You know, it's competition. It's what do you think competition is except the injection of energy to overcome and use time better than the other person? When Michael Jordan's working out, he's doing it as a competitor, like Darwin said. And if he can use his time and his energy more efficiently than another basketball player and his natural gifts and his extra effort into it, then he becomes the king, like LeBron James, the king, you know? Edon Ravine, I interviewed him. He wrote the book, The Hoops Whisperer, and we become, you know, uh, friends and hang out. And he trades all the top basketball players, Kevin Durant, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, Chris Paul. They all come here. He's trained everybody. Kobe Bryant. He says, you know, all of the guys earn their greatness. He said, it's not natural talent, Ty. He said, that might get you in the NBA, but it doesn't make you a top five, top 10 player. He said, LeBron James is up at six in the morning, you know, when everybody else is sleeping. See, they're putting energy in. So don't be like my friend with your business. When it comes to love, the same thing. You better inject energy into, number one, finding somebody. So many people have been lied to by Hollywood. It's like, you know, in Hollywood, I always laugh with my cousin Maya because she's like a very romantic person. And I, when she's talking about getting a guy, I'm always like, you know, Maya, I know how you want it to be. You want to be at Starbucks or at the library and you're walking and you drop something and a guy, a you know, handsome guy walks up behind you and picks up the book off the ground and says, oh, you dropped this. And then, you know, you're just talking and it all works out and you fall happily uh, ever after in love and get married and sail off into the sunset. But, you know, that's the dream that Hollywood's trying to sell you because they know that it doesn't happen, that's why it's appealing, right? If I wrote a book, How to Make a Million Dollars in Five Minutes of Work, a lot of people would probably buy it because it's selling a mirage. I call this a mirage. It's selling a fantasy. When you don't know who the sucker in the room is, you're the sucker. When you don't know who the sucker is at the movies, you're the sucker. If you don't know who the sucker is buying a book or a course or a system, you're the sucker. Don't ever be the sucker. So when it comes to love, if you think you're going to be able to be successful without injecting energy, that could include learning things. I got a friend never gets a second date. I'm like, man, why don't you read a book about dating or why don't you go out and learn from somebody 
And he's like, no, man, I like to learn the hard way. And I'm like, well, what you're saying is I disrespect Mother Nature. I disrespect the continuum of time that Stephen Hawking talks about. And I don't realize that it's going to get harder every day for me to get good with women and get a second date. My friend will never say that. He's too proud. And you know what? It's his loss. And I've watched for five, ten years. It's never gotten better. So you must inject energy. Learn how to be more social. Just read that book. Read that book by Daniel Lieberman. Social. It's a great book. Right? Learn how to win friends and influence people. Get that book. Again, I'll be having all these books on the book list. So for you, it is absolutely vital that even in your love life, in your social life, in your family, and your friends, realize you've got to block out some time and put energy into it or it will decay. And lastly, happiness, that fourth elusive part. Again, happiness is something you find by doing things correctly. It takes injection of energy. You're not naturally going to be happy. In fact, as you get older, most people become less happy hormonally, right? Little kids at five or six, they don't have any care in the world. And they also have their hormones generally functioning on all cylinders, right? You're healthiest the younger you are generally, you know, within reason, right? You're going to be most guys and women are are a lot healthier between 18 and 25 than they are at any other time in their life. All the hormones are chugging away. The dopamine, dopamine is working. A lot of times as you get older, as a man or as a woman, your testosterone drops. Other things drop. So happiness is something you got to work on. You better be an investor. And David Bach talks about in this book, Start Late, Finish uh, Rich, he talks about you got to stop being a consumer. I'll try to find the chapter I was just reading. It's a great, you know, I, this book is, I, I don't always read these kind of books, but, uh, <clears throat> it, you know, it's, it's a decent book. And he talks about, he calls it the latte factor of cutting your expenses by not drinking such expensive coffee. It's funny he uses that. I always use that analogy. I didn't know he used that. But he says on page 30, you've been programmed to spend what you earn and more. See, spending is not always the injection of energy. Oftentimes, spending on the wrong thing is the opposite. You're removing energy that you had in the form of cash in your bank account that could be used for higher purposes, something better, something that would bring more energy into your life, would bring better return in business, better return socially, better return on your physical body. But instead, you're being tricked by advertising to spend it on a McDonald's hamburger when that same could be uh, that same 10 or 15 bucks could be spent on 30 minutes with a personal trainer or that same 15 bucks could be spent on the book Sam Walton for your business where I'm telling you it's a five or ten dollar book and it'll show you how this man made 160 billion dollars that's a better use of it than 15 bucks so don't be a consumer I've talked about this over and over and over again a consumer is the opposite of what I'm talking about right you can't be a consumer. You won't have enough energy left for the right things. It doesn't work that way. That's what's hard about life. So I'm telling you, I'm telling myself, this is not a lesson where I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching uh, at myself as much as anybody. As much as anybody. Right? I preach 
to myself. And I'm saying, Ty, get it together, man. First of all, fear Father Time. You better fear it because it comes for everybody and it always wins, like Barkley said. And number two, realize it's probably, even by the greatest physicists on the world, not going to be able to be reversed or figured out by anybody else. It's just not possible. Third, realize that entropy, disorder, and time all are moving in the same uh, in the same continuum, the same direction. As you age, that's just saying I'm increasing disorder. And the only solution that anybody has ever been able to figure out is injecting more and more energy. Inject the energy into your life and focus it on the four big areas. Into your physical body, into your bank account and your business, into your love, family, friends, and romantic life. And lastly, into the intangibles that bring you happiness. That can include picking up music. Pick up a musical instrument. It'll make you happier. Learn a language. Do some charitable work. That takes energy. But the good news is, even though we're all on a path that is outside of our control, we can, I'm staring at the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People here by Stephen Covey, we can control what's in our own power. And what's in your own power is the own set of resources and energy that each of us has been gifted with it. You have been gifted with some time and some energy. Michael Jordan used it well. Heck of a lot better than I did. Sam Walton used it well. Stephen Hawkins used it well. David Box used it well. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, these people have used it well. Let's not have regrets. Let's examine those wasted moments in our life, you probably have some. I definitely have some. Let's do what Sam Walton said. I'm not one to dwell on them for too long, but let's do like Charlie Munger said. Let's learn very carefully and diagnose exactly what the real problem was so we don't repeat that real problem, but yet have the courage and the faith that if we inject energy a little more efficiently, a little wiser, a little smarter, that our body can be preserved. You can stay healthy. My grandma's 96 years old. She still does Zumba exercise and yoga and swims in the ocean. She won the, the whitewater swimming contest in the ocean when she was like 60 or 70 years old. She's been in, but you know what my grandma does? She works out a little bit every day. She has little weights. It's funny. She has little one pound weights. She's injecting a little energy into her body in the form of exercise. Right? You can get richer as you get older. Bill Gates uh, wasn't, uh, I'm sorry, Warren Buffett wasn't really a billionaire, I think, too. He was like 50 or 57 years old. I just read Grinding It Out. That's another book by Ray A. Kroc. Became the richest man in America. He didn't start till 52. There's always hope. There's always hope as long as you're alive. But it gets a hell of a lot harder. So whatever you age are, you are now, you better jump on it today and begin injecting energy into that. Get lo find love, find friends, go out and make better friends. Have less friends. Robin Dunbar, the anthropologist, says 150 should be your group of acquaintances and friends. Get that 150 and double down on them. Don't spread yourself so thin. Remember, energy is finite. Don't try to be friends with thousands of people. You can have thousands of acquaintances randomly, but I've often thought of making two Facebooks. One Facebook's like for, I got 5,000 people on it, whatever, and then making a Facebook with just 150. And those 150 people, pay attention to. Email them once or twice a month. 
you know, I don't email all my Facebook. That's Facebook's been good in that it has allowed us to take our energy and connect with people very quickly, but it's been bad in the sense that it's like, you know, uh, we don't really have time to keep up with thousands of people. MySpace was even worse. Remember that? You'd have like 50,000 friends. It's like a friend contest. So double down on friends. In love, double down on the people that have been loyal to you, the person that's been loyal to you. In family, the same way. Inject that energy into your family and social relationships. Do it also in the form of learning more. Learning Social can be learned. And lastly, get those intangibles going that bring happiness. Okay? So I hope this has been helpful. I'm going to have this up on uh, my site, tylopez.com. Check it out. The notes has all these books uh, that you need to get. Uh, if you're listening to my podcast, do me one favor. I do these for free because uh, I hope that they can help some people uh, with whatever path maybe that you're on. Leave me a review if you don't mind. It helps boost my rankings in iTunes. If it's been helpful to you, leave me a little comment. Subscribe. Uh, check me out on YouTube, Ty Lopez Official. I put stuff that I don't put anywhere else on YouTube. Uh, and let me ask you this one thing. If you're on a page where you can leave a comment, answer me this one thing. Where is an area specifically that you need to inject more energy into to fight the disorder that naturally comes? You know, maybe it's something with your body physically. Maybe it's some person you need to pay more attention to in friends, family, or romance. Maybe it's your business, an area of your business. Maybe it's some intangible like music, learning to dance. Uh, doing some charity work, write it down. Put a note here. I love to read the comments and I generally reply. Not always. Sometimes I get too many. Uh, leave, you can also leave me the note, a shout out on Twitter. I've got a pretty big, you know, 150, 160,000 followers on Twitter, but I check and, and respond very closely on it's at Ty Lopez, T-A-I-L-O-P-E-Z. Most importantly though, get on my book of the day list. Okay. I have a book of the day. Uh, where I read a book a day and send out reviews and uh, thoughts for you. So that's on my site, tylopez.com. So thanks so much. And remember, time is precious. Time is irreversible. Yet time can be your greatest motivator. Be like Michael Jordan. Remember what Stephen Hawking says, though. You must respect time. Time is the mind of God in great part. It's that thing that we have to all bow our knee and submit to. And there's happiness and contentedness in knowing that there are rules. So all we got to do is follow the rules. And if you follow the rules, generally things work out in the long run. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.